Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Psychic Coffee Shop Podcast Network. shooting tarot cards, although I will be, you know, showing you how you can quickly learn to read tarot enough to get through a question. Okay. That'll be the fun of it. All right, so how does that work? Like, I don't even understand how, like, you're looking at doing this as, like, a 30-minute yes. class? Yeah. Like, seriously? Yeah. I know, but, like, what do you teach someone in 30 minutes to, like, hear, like, I know you joke about being able to, like, take a monkey from the zoo and just be like, here, I'll teach you tarot in like 10 minutes, but come on. Well, with decks, there are basically meanings in the cards. You just have to be able to look at the storyboard to see it. Okay. Okay. You know, it'll at least be able to answer a base question. Okay. Yeah, it'll be fun. It's a nice way, a nice fun way of reading tarot. Yeah, it'll be cool. I've done this before. You know, and it, it's a nice introduction for maybe if you don't know if you want to read tarot or not. Okay. Yeah. So so it's kind of like the hors d'oeuvre to the main class entree. Maybe? Yeah. A little bit? If that. I mean, it's like, it fact. sounds like you're trying to, like, sit there and be like, okay, if you want to go get a deck, do your own thing, and here's how to quickly go through this so you don't spend all your time looking up card meetings. Right. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I was trying to understand because I'm like, really? Because we've typed up a manual and it's huge. Yes, and now it's five manuals. Wow. Wow. Do I even want to see that disaster? No, I don't want to see that disaster. I made him a pretty manual. It was very pretty. Yes, and now I I have five manuals of the same way. 
Okay. All I did was take that big huge one and break uh-huh. it down into three, and then break the other one down into two. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. Eight numbered everything. Never gonna look at this because our neighbors do not want to hear the beginning of that scream. I'm teasing. Come on. Yes, he is. God, you're being so sensitive this evening. I know. Well, you know, I got you. Do I need to get you chocolate? Is, is that steak. what I'm hearing? Steak. I made you steak last night, and you let it get cold. Work comes first, honey. Got to keep you in your fashion. I know. Still. Still. I know. But, you know, so, you know, we're t- I'm teaching that. I think it'll be fun. I've done it before for a presentation and that type of thing. Um, but it's a terror demo. I'm also doing, I'm also going to have new, uh, free draw tarot, which is kind of like fortune cookie meets just tarot card meets a business card. Yeah, I'm still going with fortune crackers. That works. Fortune wafers. Fortune wafers. But that'll be fun. Um, and then, then we're headed to Marmette the following Saturday. Yes, we are. Yeah, we'll be at the wow. Anchorage. Hey, it's so over. Yes, it is. Uh, and now it's Memorial Day weekend. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Not exactly <sighs> sure what we're going to be doing for Memorial Day. I say we Memorial. Oh, I already figured out what I'm not doing. I'm not going to the DMV. I got all excited and wrote that in my planner this morning. We are going to the DMV on Monday and glared at him. And he's like, okay. And then we're driving around running errands and, you know, having our day. And I went, I'm not going to the DMV on Monday, am I? And he looks at me like, what? Well, you can. I said, no, I really can't. He goes, why? What do we have scheduled? And I said, nothing. Because it's Memorial Day. And he's like, oh, right. Yeah, that explains all the sales. Yes, dear, that definitely explains sales. You know, we just kept going and seeing the words Memorial Day everywhere, and it took till then, half a day later, for me to go, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and then right after that, the next day, we're launching the new business, the life coaching business. Well, not on Tuesday. Well, technically, I'm launching it tomorrow, but oh, but, but I'll start. You're not allowed to launch business on a day that I have a doctor's appointment. I know. So, come on. We'll wait. Because, yeah. Come on. Come on, man. Okay. okay, middle of the night. You can launch your business at 11 p.m. How about 2.30 when we put the website up? Okay. That works. That works. That's still Wednesday, but... Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So Works that'll be me. interesting. I'll probably broadcast from the road that night. Ooh. Uh-huh. Awesome. Yeah, we'll test my mobile availability. I think we're just going to have the world's funniest show as you drive around and uh, our listeners get to hear you. And the lovely joys, because you can't stop it. 
I don't care how much you say you can be professional on a phone. If something jumps, swerves, or drops like an idiot, they are going to hear nothing but your commentary on it. Yep. Because I thought I've been in trouble before. Mm-hmm. Like, we are mid-conversation, and maybe I'm not sure if if this is a good idea or a good plan or whatever, and all of a sudden he's just like, ex- like you, expletive strength. I'm sorry, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. No! There's an idiot in front of me, and he can't figure out which light. Well, apparently a lot of people do not have brake fluid in their cars, do not understand what tail lights or signal lights are, and I don't know where they got their license. I'm very sure it was out of a cracky truck box. Of course, I understand the DMV now has these little, like, kiosk things that are unrelated to humans. Well, up to, like, a certain level. I mean, they'll they'll block you from it if, if you, I hope, I really hope, if you have tons of reports on your license, they'll just be like, nah, you have to see a real human being. Uh-huh. Like, I do. I want it to pop up and just be like, uh-uh. But I know there is, like, an age limit. There is an age limit. Like, I don't think you can use the kiosk to auto-renew after, like, 85. I am sorry. There are some 65-year-olds that do not belong on the road anymore. We have oh. Lyft. We have Uber. Moving to the state and driving will be so much simpler. Yeah. Well, you know. I don't know. I don't think West Virginia is a good place for Uber and Lyft, but that's just me. I think this is a bad, bad, bad plan. Because I'm sorry, those were both very exploitative services. Like, and I'm sorry, West Virginia's been exploited to hell and back. We are done. But it's already happening. In more of a friend sense, like, dude, can you give me a lot ride? Here's some gas money. I mean, that's normal. And I've, I mean, you know, it's a little less than Uber and Lyft. That's a, that's a lot less than Uber and Lyft. Uber and Lyft promises you can make all kinds of money as effectively an unlicensed taxi cab. And it, on top of forcing you to have a very, at least new, decent vehicle, um, you know, your insurance company doesn't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole because that's a whole group of liability it doesn't want to cover. But then on top of all that, it promises you all this, and then when you work it out for a lot of people, it's not even minimum wage. Like, you could go into a restaurant and work for tips, putting air quotes around that, and never get a single dime in tips and probably make more than you would actually net Mm -hmm. doing Uber and Lyft. Granted, that's not much different than home health care as I went through with one of my uh, grandmother's uh, helpers at one of her jobs, the way they were sending her around. Yeah, seriously. It's like by the time you take off all the transportation and time spent uh, traveling and all, you know, tolls, because they're expecting her to go through toll booths to take clients to the doctor's appointment, then they're not going to reimburse her. Forget mileage, straight gas money would have been like, oh, uh-huh. and tolls. 
right. not going to reimburse tolls. I'm like, you paid to work there today. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, right. you paid for the privilege of taking your client that they're getting paid by the state right. for you to take care of. You then went beyond that and paid them to be there. Right. By the time you count, you know, the wear and tear on the vehicle, what would normally be covered under mileage, um, because mileage isn't just straight gas money. It's wear and tear and all these other things, um, you know, new tires and maintenance, and it's basically the theory. By the time you account for all that, it's the same thing as Uber and Lyft is, you know, yeah, you made a you know, 5, 10, 20 bucks. But if you're picking someone up in flipping, like, let's say, Beckley, and you're driving them to the back of beyond, mm-hmm. by the time you do that, you're not making any money. Dude, you're not making any money. And you hit a pothole in the state, and there are plenty, yes. with your pretty little car, oh. and you tear that sucker up. Mm-hmm. You just want to hold because your insurance company, if you dare say the words, I was driving uh-huh. for or Lyft and coming back out of this holler in the back of beyond and hit a pothole and tore up my car or hit a you know possum or whatever, mm-hmm. they're going to go, well, that's nice. That's commercial use of your vehicle, and we don't cover that. But have a great day. The other side of that is, you know, cities like Charleston, Beckley, Princeton, heck, even Oak Hill. You know, they have a large elderly population Mm -hmm. that can't get out or Mm -hmm. have doctor's appointments. And the companies that have now moved to taking them to the doctors Mm -hmm. can't show up. Well, no, there's a massive shortage there, but then the flip side of that is just about the same. You're taking on a whole different set of liabilities. You know, you go to pull off and you hit Grandma's walker and knock her over. Mm-hmm. Who pays for that? All right. Not your insurance company. That's commercial use, and so you're screwed. Mm-hmm. You know, but I but you those know companies I think would be good in this state. I don't know. I really, I think it would just be one more exploitation. I disagree. I think okay. it would be one more encouragement. It's another job opportunity. Yeah. But it's already occurring. People are making income after, you know, well, going to 200 old months. Well, true. And, I mean, there's state reimbursements for that. Right. But even still, that's, like, you better trust who you're taking. Right. I mean, you you really need to make sure when you get into this situation, you trust who you're taking. Because I'm telling you right now, there are people that I don't know if they're broken in the head or what their deal is, but they see an opportunity, however slim it may be, you can end up in a courtroom mm-hmm. and just, we're going to take you to the cleaners. Because you stepped away from the normal bounds of, you know, that that kind of being a friend, and then somewhere I got business. Right. So then they treat you like a business. Right. 
you know, and that occurs all the time. And, you know, you want to define friendships or redefine friendships and where they're at. You know, so I say business, business, friendships are friendships. And they separate at the moment the dollar's involved. Yeah. You know, that's why I don't read for for friends. Well, not, well, not professionally, no. No. I mean, you know, I, you break out your tarot deck. Once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. But you do it at your, you know, level. Right. Not like, hi, here's your friends and family zero dollar discount. Right. Uh, in terms of, I'm not going to charge you anything, but I'm, you know, you can use me like a client, um, you know, for three hours. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I like. I typically will be nice to people, and I'll do some minor IT work and, you know, wiggle a mouse. And I'll, I'll occasionally do that for free, but if it becomes too much, that's when I'm like, look, we got to talk payment. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I have I have other people right. that, you know, like you, you've gone from, you know, a couple times a year needing a little help to – no, we're in a business relationship, and I'm not getting paid. Right. But, yeah. But, you know, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. It's, always, it's always hilarious, too, some of the things that we get into and some of the things that I'm seeing in business. And we were having this discussion. Yeah. Well, and it was brought up, you know, during Beltane, because, you know, I've done, like, four costume changes that day. At least, you know, four people could have, you know, I could have been four different people. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I think one yeah. of them kind of looked like a flowy hair Jesus. It was kind of cool. Yeah. But you needed more flow to the hair, but, you know. Well, my hair's short. <laughs> I know. Well, Moses, more so Moses. The, the classical image of Moses, you know, Moses with a barber. Uh-huh. A really good barber. Um, but, you know, yeah, that's about where you are. But, you know, at dinner, you brought up a really, you, you brought up a story, you know, a discussion. And this is something that I've seen so often, especially in this small town, mm-hmm. of how we're, tr- you know, I'm treated versus, you know, when I'm dressed to go to, like, corporate events mm-hmm. versus how I'm treated when I'm going to the office or I'm going out party, you know, it's very different. Yeah. Um, and now we're starting to see it in fashion trends, too. We were looking at Wall Street and, you know, how... The, the new Midtown uniform, which yeah. for those who aren't aware, this is uh, Midtown Manhattan, um, you know, Global Financial Center. Um, and what finance and tech people are wearing in that, uh, in that environment, there's basically what's become known as the Midtown uniform. Um, so it involves what, a button down, a vest, and was it khakis or slacks or what are we working with? Okay. Yeah. And then, oh, what was the shoe company? They were really specific. Yeah, but they're just basic brown brown shoes, you know. You know. So, and how you know some companies who make the vest mm-hmm. are going to stop. Yeah, accepting. Patagonia has 
like their entire business model was to kind of be this environmentally friendly, you know, make the world a better place company. And they have, um, since 85, they've pledged 1% of their earnings to, um, environmental causes and activism and things like that, which I think we saw somewhere, heard somewhere that was like a hundred million dollars to date. That they've donated, which one? Wow, that business is doing well because that turns into what ten billion mm-hmm. in revenue since '85. Wow, I think I did the math right there. I could be totally wrong, but at the same time, you know they're starting to turn away midtowners. Yes, they they've had enough of being ex- well I think they're being exploited to some degree I mean you know it, like there's been the accusation from Patagonia is just kind of sitting there and you know they're creating an uproar now um, in terms of you know trying to get you know green press which Basically, what happens is there are businesses that will donate to causes or, you know, try to show their environmentally friendliness. Um, And it's more show than action. It's a lot of smoke and mirrors, um, sort of like, um, oh, what is the company? I think it's, oh, is it American School? I think has clothing, uh, I know Gap does. They, like, they'll take their old clothes, you can drop them there, and they're supposed to recycle them and make stuff. That's Levi. Well, Levi does it. Levi will That's buy your old clothes. Right. It's total marketing gimmick. They bundle this crap up and dump it in a landfill. Ah. It all sounds cool and enviro-friendly. It isn't. It's, mm-hmm. it's bunk. Um, but you know, and, and so they're, they're, they've accused Patagonia of doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the fact remains, they they've said here and they've started refusing corporate orders for finance companies. Um, and there's an actual freakout now um, in the you know finance and tech sector that oh my God, you're taking away our fleets. Um, you know, whatever shall we do, which, I mean, you know, that, uh, I don't know. Right. I don't know. Jeff Bezos had like a $900 fleece vest. That's, that's some crap. I'm sorry. That's just crap. Like, I'm not saying that Jeff Bezos has not done a hard day's work in his life. He most certainly has. Um, but at this point, you're, you're just wearing a costume to try to look more normal people. You know, I don't know. I respect that kind of more be suit. I don't. I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. As pretty as they are, don't get me wrong. I think a three-piece suit is gorgeous on any. Um, but I learned a long time ago. Typically, people who go that far, um, you always have to look at context. Mm-hmm. If you're at a very formal event and someone's wearing a three-piece suit, then they're doing what they should be. 
Mm-hmm. They're dressing for the But when you're talking like three-piece suit at Applebee's, you're talking three-piece suit at church, or you're talking like that kind of stuff? Oh, no, I'm talking the oh, boardroom. Oh, eh, I don't know. I I think it's, in many ways, I, I can't respect it. Really? So if um, your famed professor... I know. I know. You know, she comes in in her brown Louis Vuitton outfit and high heels to the max and her uh, pillbox purse. I think, honestly, on that point, mm-hmm. on that point, I, I will give that professor credit for the fact that she had a very awesome fashion sense. Like, her clothes, I, I see a difference, and it's a minor one. She bought clothing that was timeless. Mm-hmm. She had probably owned that suit for 20-some years. Mm-hmm. Um, it was her power suit. Whether she knew it or not, I'm pretty sure she knew it. Um, but it was a power suit, and it just perfectly fit her. It perfectly communicated, I'm in charge here. I know what I'm doing, and she never had to say a word. Mm-hmm. And then when she did speak, it landed like a sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Thor's hammer hit breath. And you're going to listen. Like, she had this very powerful look. <clears throat> I can respect that out of clothing. Mm-hmm. I will respect the hell out of that out of clothing. Um, the suit thing, though, I don't know. Some people just look like kids in costumes. I don't care if it's a $2,000 suit and it's perfectly tailored. There are some people that just look like a kid in a costume. You can put them in the most expensive clothing in the world. I don't respect the suit. I will respect the person wearing it. And I will sense that power if they've already got it. If they've got their crap together and they know what they're wearing, go take, you know, Joe the Mechanic, throw him in a $2,000 suit, scrub him up a little bit, eh, maybe not so much. Like, I don't know. There, there's something that, that's got to go with that. Like, you, you have to have, to me, it is kind of like the parsley on plate. Mm-hmm. You know, if the rest of that plate is gorgeous, perfectly cooked filet mignon and, you know, i.e. experience and knowledge, then yeah, that that garnish makes the plate. Mm-hmm. That'll coat the plate. I can also have almost as much respect for blaming on on a cafeteria tray, i.e. cargo shorts and a tore-up shirt. Because if the mouth opens and the intelligence, the knowledge, the experience is coming out, that's going to grab my attention. I can forget Because I've learned. I'm sorry. I've been around some business uh, money to keep Put it that way. Uh, experienced business people that have worked their butts off. They they know what they're talking about. And a lot of them 
got real sick and tired, real flipping quick of having that attachment of wearing like a $2,000 suit or wearing really expensive clothing or a really nice watch and having people think free ride. Mm-hmm. And so they dumbed it down. <laughs> you know, um, or as my sister tells the story of working in a sporting goods store, they had a guy come in and, you know, look like, you know, Farmer Joe just fell off his tractor and came into the, um, you know, sporting goods store. And this is probably the 70s. <laughs> yeah, 70s. She's working in a sporting goods store, which at the time meant someone owning a sporting goods store kind of took a little bit of a leap here. Because that's norm- that then would have been, you know, all the boys' club. Comes in, starts talking about, you know, boat motors. Mm-hmm. And he needs this and that. And she's like, no, you don't. And redirects him to what he actually needs. And he didn't quite trust her. But, okay, I'll listen. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll try this, see what this dumb girl knows, and I'll make fun of her later. Ordered what she said. It worked beautifully. Only salesperson he knew at that point. Mm-hmm. Forget everyone else. Knows what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, come to find out, he shows up after the boat's finished. He was uh, taking a boat, basically, that had been completely trashed mm-hmm. and restoring it. Um, and <laughs> so he gets the boat done. Dude walks in in a three-piece suit. She doesn't recognize him. Hair slicked back. Cause it's seven. Mm-hmm. Hair slicked back. Expensive suit. Da da da. She doesn't know who he is. Till his mouth open. Mm-hmm. Huh? Like who's that? Oh my god. And. That's when she said something finally to her boss, and he's like, "Yeah," and he thinks you're awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're, I've heard more praise about you from him. He can't come in here without telling me how excellent of an employee you are. How blah blah blah. They met on the technical level. Mm-hmm. He he took a chance and respected, you know, the girl, mm-hmm. and that answered every question he had when she told, pointed him in the right direction and the thing he would have bought was going to be totally wrong. Mm-hmm. And they found a mutual respect there. And she treated him like the you know $2,000 suit-wearing customer he turned out to be. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't ask, do you have the money to order this before we place the order? Mm-hmm. You know, so I've kind of, like, especially off of that story, but in general, mm-hmm. I've also picked up, there are some people, don't ever doubt the money. Like, sometimes you, you, you hear the, the what they're saying mm-hmm. and ignore the clothes. Because the clothes, meh. But they have a industry. suit in the closet. They need it, they have a suit in the closet. They yeah. don't need it today. Right. But there's some industries that are still very close conservative. One of them being like news anchors. 
you never see them in jeans and a t-shirt. For the most part, no. Unless they're doing an outside segment at, you know, such and such. And then it's usually the girl reporter, and they kind of send her out there to be like, you know, farm Barbie. Oh. Occasionally. Occasionally. But not like every day. You're six o'clock no, in the morning. No, news anchors are not going to be, no. You know, and that was one of the things talked about in one of the articles is, you know, how conservative, even like, you know, not even Fox, but CNN, mm-hmm. you know, they are still in, you know, four and a half inch, three and a half inch heels. Mm-hmm. They are still in pencil skirts. Yeah. You know, and well, a, lot of the, a lot of history still are. Right. I mean, it, it's the expected uniform. Right. I'm, I, you know, it's it's business professional. Mm-hmm. In some ways, I think it actually probably does less in some environments. I mean, I kind of get it in banking. You know, when, when you're customer facing, I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, you you kind of you want to look like a responsible adult, even if you aren't. Like, you can go out Friday night, get loaded to the gills, and you know, smoke a crack pipe and whatever. Monday morning, you're at work in your suit, and you better not look like you got a hangover. Mm-hmm. You know, because now you're customer facing. Now you're on my time. Um, but Friday night again, go do whatever you want. And there's a lot of industries that that's the normal. I mean, finance. Ooh, you better be able to handle your liquor. Sales. Huh. Liquor is the least of the horrible things that go through that profession. Right. But, you know, you've got to sit there and have your crap together, you know, when you're facing a client. And sometimes you may be out doing these things with the client. You're trying to close a deal. Mm-hmm. And client wants hookers and coke. You get hookers and coke. Um, I mean, it's the ugly, sad truth of sales mm-hmm. and marketing is that at the end of the day, you're beholden to the, you know, vices sometimes of your clients, while at the same time, you've got to look like you've got your craft together. And you still have to be fully functional while high as a kite. Um, You know, that'll make or break you in sales. Um, Also, why I'm not in either. (laughs) Well, I I can barely handle two glasses of wine, and well, no, I have I can barely handle one glass of wine without breaking into Tammy Wynette. Two, there's no question I'm in a corner singing Tammy Wynette. Um, so yes, we know you're a lightweight. Yes, you know all my years working in the bars apparently still pay off. Well, you know, no, they don't. They cost us a lot of money if you want to get drunk. Good Lord. People have car payments cheaper than your bar tab. Lord almighty. And even then, probably safer to drive than I am. Probably. Yeah, you know, when I used to work the union, they put vodka in my coffee when they wanted me to be ridiculously mean in a contract. Well, yeah. And for some people, that works. For me, like, bad life decision there. Okay, man, whatever. 
would have been my response. And my response would have been, nope, we're going on strike in 20 minutes. you got 20 minutes to fix the health care. For go. you, it's liquid courage. For me, it's just how to turn Joe into a liquid. Right. Like, I ooze everywhere once I'm, like, pleasantly tipsy. Also known to most people as fall down drunk. Because <laughs> there's not really a – there. there's not an air gap between the two. <laughs> it's just, like – Stone cold sober, fall down drunk. <laughs> and that's why I don't drink. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know how I survived college. Oh, yes, I do. I was DD for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. Uh-huh. I know better. Like, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that brings in the bigger question is now we have non-binaries in the workforce. Well, and we always have. To a degree. To a degree. Um, and I think that, honestly, for people who are non-binary, let's – I'm trying to be careful how I say this. Born female non-binary. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, designated female non-binary. You have a lot of options in forms of dress. Mm-hmm. Maybe not for the workroom, mm-hmm. but definitely for the general workplace. There's a lot more acceptance. You know, it, it's you're kind of in a fashion show. You want to look a little boyish and get a pixie cut and, you know, the, the boy cut. You know, you can pull that off. And then come in tomorrow wearing, you know, your flirty girl outfit. You know, you, you want to have that gender fluidity, you can. Mm-hmm. Um, or even the in-between. Mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, you're doing the boy pants with, like, a girly shirt and, you know, spiky hair, but total femme makeup. Like, whatever combination. Right. As someone who is at least on official documents female, mm-hmm. You can do it. Sure. Like, it's okay. You don't want to wear makeup to work, don't wear makeup to work. The problem comes in if you're born male, or at least physically appear more male, um, you know, you're a larger person, you're taller, you've got a mannish build at least, you're really looked down upon. Mm-hmm. Like, you can destroy your career at the point in which you want to move from manly to more feminine. Um, that becomes a massive, massive, massive problem. Um, and that's what I've had a little bit of experience with, um, and it's why it's taken so much effort for you to get me to carry a bag. Mm-hmm. And I still stutter every time you call it the purse. Because um, I got traumatized. I had a nice little tech bag when I was working, and three man or four man IT team. The other three, one of them had to pipe up and call it my man purse, and just I don't know. It got almost kind of humiliating, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm like, I just need a bag to carry all my crap. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, back off. Like, I have a palm trail the size of a brick. 
Like, this thing's heavy. I have a day planner. I have, you know, all this other crap going on. I Like, I need a bag for this. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, I look like I robbed a convenience store. Or two. Or two. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like, I need a free hand. That's what the bag's about. Yeah. And, like, I, I put up with it for a little while, and then I just went, you know, kind of back to just carrying crap and having my hands full and being totally useless. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, you're exploring that and liking yeah. it, I think. Yeah, well, I like having it. I just still feel weird every time I go to go out. Like, I still feel that, like, it runs through my head every time. Gotta take your purse. Like, I hear it. Uh-huh. It's in my head, and it's like, oh, go away. But at the same time, you know, in today's modern world, you know, we're carrying tablets, we're carrying phones, we're carrying, you know, I think that's why we're seeing more bags, and even companies, you know, like uh, Nutsack and everything else, that's what they design is men's bags. Oh, sorry. I was like, that's a company, and then I had to remember for a second. Yes, it is. We look good stuff. Yes, they're very expensive, but sorry, scare the crap out of me. I'm like, what are you talking about? Anyway. Anyway. Um, But no. Um, Well, and then there's even like you know we and we've had this conversation before you know there there's Joe and then there's corporate Joseph mm-hmm. and those are almost two separate people mm-hmm. um you know but no i i know personally i felt like i've gone through a lot within the business sphere um on the personal side of it it's and summers were the worst for me I think working at the last company just because the, the men's dress code was so narrow versus the women's dress code was kind of like, you know, as long as it doesn't arise to the point of, you know, flashing. And even then we'll grant way. Um, a lot of male management. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, you know, plunging necklines and, you know, clit high hems, um, middle of summer, sleeveless, you know, doing that whole deal, no one really cared if you were a woman. But the men's dress code still said slacks and at least a quarter length sleeve. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting here going, I'm roasting while Miss Anita Cheeseburger over here mm-hmm. is going, I'm cold. Can we turn down the air conditioner? And it's like, eat a cheeseburger and find a sweater. Right. You know, right. I'm sure you are cold. Like, I've seen more of your anatomy than anyone should in a business setting. Well, and so I just got to the point where I was like, you know, if this is how we're going to run this, you can either put layers on or I can start taking them off. Right. And I don't have that many. Right, because you're um, not allowed that then. Right. 
point blank, to wear a quarter length sleeve on a polo, minimum, like that, that's your minimum, quarter length sleeve polo, and a pair of dress slacks, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not wearing a lot under this. Why? Because I'm roasting. I know right. I'm going to be roasting because we can't get anyone in the office to agree on the temperature below 74. Right. You know. Plus, you've got PCs and towers and everything else going on. Whereas, you know, in my work environment, you know, I've had everything from, you know, ladies that walk in in business and ladies that walk in in sucker mom pajamas. And it's like, you're at an event. Is this how you want your image to look? Yeah. Well, and I think especially in your field. Mm-hmm. I I don't think necessarily – well, and then a lot of you are independent. Right. So you do kind of get to, you know, if you want to sit in, at your desk naked or you want to sit there in your pajamas and not shower for three days and look a mess, you're doing phones. It doesn't matter. But when you go to an event, I think there's a big problem with people not understanding that, okay – this is professional, you need to look like something other than the hot mess that sits on the phone in their pajamas and unshowered for three days and, you know, not just show up. Now, not that you've necessarily worked with anyone that bad, but I'm waiting for it. It happened. Like, um, yeah, I figured it had. Yeah, it happened. You know, um, former management team, you know, I'm sorry, you know, that's yeah. part of the problem um, yeah. is, you know, she thought that she could wear whatever. And it's like, no, we're going in to negotiate with a Fortune 500 company, show up like you're... Be present and look like you've got some sense. All right. This you is know. a business meeting. Look, business. Don't worry. You know, I don't want to be worrying about if you have to, you know, hunch over a little bit to sign a contract that, you know, the girls are going to pop out visit. Well, I don't know. In my last company, that's how a telecom company got a signed contract. Mm-hmm. They sent their prettiest girl in a low-cut top. Mm-hmm. And the owner of our company didn't listen to a single word she said. He stared at her chest mm-hmm. and signed Ever she put in front of him. Mm-hmm. And he had to go try to get out of that contract because it was a 20% increase over what we were currently paying for telco service. Mm-hmm. And, like, what I found hilarious is I had at least gone past and seen part of this going on. Mm-hmm. My boss's boss didn't even have to ask. Mm-hmm. She just flat out said, I'm going to take a guess. She was a blonde, about 20 to 30, with a nice rack and a low-cut top, wasn't she? Uh-huh. She's like, yeah. Figured. He didn't listen to a word she said. He just smiled and nodded and waited for her to bend forward a little bit more. Yep, pretty much. So, but yeah, I mean, and some of that, you know, again, back to sales. A lot of companies will not hire, quote unquote, ugly salespeople. 
they want underwear models, Victoria's Secret or otherwise. You don't have to know what you're doing. You don't, you know, you just have to look pretty and, you know, be willing to, you know, sell a little extra with the product and service you're selling. Not necessarily all of yourself, but at least give a free show. All right. But here's my question is where do we fit in? I mean, you know, we've spent, what, six months looking for boots? Yeah. You know, and then we're going to have to get them resold. To oh, yes, to the but the excitement is you found them. Yes, and it's going to cost them. more to resold them than you paid for them. Right. There's the, the yay. Yeah. Double yay. Double. Um, but, no, even with that, we, we do kind of enter into that, I guess, area where it's hard to figure out sometimes what your corporate uniform ought to be. All right. Do you dress to expectations? Do you de- dress professionally? Mm-hmm. Do you dress to kind of whatever normal is? Right. You know, because if that soccer mom look is normal in your field, mm-hmm. then I don't know. Right. I mean, because you've got a mixed bag, especially at the shop. Right. You you have a yoga girl. And I'm sure she wears her athletic, comfortable move for yoga right. year. Right. And to some extent, that's the uniform for her profession. Yeah. But do you necessarily want, you know, business owner or you or whoever else working there wearing that as well? So do you kind of accept the diversity? You do. Or do you try to, like, normalize it somehow, or mm-hmm. where do you go with that? Well, you know, with the business owner of the shop, which mm-hmm. I love how she dresses. Mm-hmm. She is classic business lady. I love her heels. I wish I was her shoe size because we wouldn't have had this problem. I would have her and said, I will take those and those and those. Yeah. Ring me up. I'll pay you yeah. the original price. Because she dresses Classic business, no nonsense, love how she handles business. But mm-hmm. I've seen, and she is in, um, she has this one beautiful red and black suit. Mm-hmm. I've seen, sitting back and just watching people, which is one of the fun things I enjoy doing, she will sell more that day than when she is in her, you know, um, business casual. Business casual. Yeah. Um. When I am in full business mode, mm-hmm. you know, dress pants, dress shoes, button down, mm-hmm. people move out of my way in Walmart. Yeah. People move out of my, you know, they literally like, oh, sorry, and will apologize for being in the aisle when I'm walking down to get bread. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, if I go in in my athletic shorts and a pair of flip-flops and a T-shirt. You can't get through a store to save your life. I can't get through a store to save my life at all, and it takes me three days to get there. Right. Well, and you do carry business well. Yeah. Like, business dress works for you. It and does. It does a lot. Right. Um, some people can't, like, I don't care who they are. You put them in a three-piece suit, they do not look business. They just look like a dude in a suit. <laughs> you know, and some of that is just poor fit. Some of that is, you know, the rest of you. 
doesn't look good in a suit. Uh, some people don't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people don't recognize me in a suit. Right. Like, I'm, you know, my uniform for many decades now, mm-hmm. t-shirt, shorts. Mm-hmm. I like my t-shirt and shorts. I get hot. Um, you know, I've always been too hot, too warm, too overheated. Um, that's an eternal thing with me. And, you know, I can still pull off a nice, you know, khaki short and polo combo and get some back. But when I put on a suit, uh-huh. um, no one recognizes me. All right. I don't, and then they're almost scared of me. Mm-hmm. Um, now, some of that is because I only seem to ever be able to find suits that I look very severe in. Right. And then coupled with resting bitch face, right. I do look like I'm mad at the world and capable of destroying it. Mm-hmm. But, with that said, um, I do also try to, to watch that. Because there's some instances where I don't need to look that severe. So I try to be careful and avoid it. You just couldn't wait any longer, could you? No. I, I want to describe the scene to our listeners. Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> he has on a pair of swimming trunk shorts. A I used to be a people person, then people ruined it t-shirt. And cowboy boots. <sighs> and my back is just went. <sighs> oh. oh, God, I'm with a child. Uh huh. Are you going to go play in the dirt now? No. Okay, good. No. Because we I'm, have a show to finish. I know. But I te- was testing our theory since we were mm-hmm. talking about it. And yes. Better. Majorly but. better. And this was only two and a half inch. Like, so you got three years. Yeah. Like, well, can we like get, like, finished in these? No. Okay. I mean, literally, you can't, but no. Uh-huh. You can't. Um, in that sense. Right. Um, but no. I mean, it's not like I don't miss my heels. I had penny loafers for years. Mm-hmm. I do walk better in a pair of them. Mm-hmm. And I, people move out of my way because I walk so fast that with a wood block heel, uh-huh. I scare people coming at them. Uh-huh. Because I got used to them. Right. You know, I, I, I miss them. Mm-hmm. I haven't been able to find a wood block heel penny loafer that I like in years. Uh-huh. I regret... Throwing out a pair, I did. I thought, I have a bad habit, uh, especially, sorry, side notes. Um, But no, I messed up my knee at 14. I fell on a rock. Um, I had a country doctor in West Virginia who thought that that would be an in-office procedure to remove the spot on my leg. I don't know how many nerves she severed in that incident, but it was years before I could even feel my knee, know that it was bending, anything like that. Total nightmare. And I used to 
tear the toes off of my uh, right shoes because mm-hmm. I, I would catch like the steps as I'm going mm-hmm. up them. So I would just sit there and slowly rub them down. Um, and I had this pair of penny loafers. I completely like rubbed off the toe that they can repair. I know. I was a teenager. I chunked mm-hmm. them. I chunked a pair of $200 shoes someone had given me. I didn't even know they were that expensive right. until later. Like, and that was all because someone bought them without trying them on. Right. Talk about sad. Right. But I've never found another pair like them. Right. And I've never regretted anything more in my life. <laughs> because those, I, oh my God. Uh-huh. Oh, I wore them everywhere. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. With my sweater vest. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it was the 90s, and I had to be uber gay without being actually out. Yeah, you just had a neon sign, and I haven't figured out how you got by with that. I know. I know. My sister even tried to tell my dad at one point. Uh-huh. Like, well, I wouldn't really worry about them wanting an ear piercing, per se, but, you know, the penny loafers and sweater vest should give you some hint. Right. He still ignored it. He still ignored it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. I did. I had a gray sweater vest. Granted, it just made me look like the Hindenburg. I was 380 pounds. Yeah. I did. I looked like the Hindenburg. Yeah. I don't think you look like the hen, but okay. Oh, I did. I did. And not during one of the good voyages with the pretty pictures. More like that flaming, burning, crash-to-the-ground picture. Yeah, that. It was. It was bad. <laughs> but, yeah. But, yeah. You know, so Asen has heels, and Yay! he will continue. And I'm going to find a company that will design me my shoes. You know, Dolly gets oh, her yeah. shoes designed, and this is a common problem for people that wore he- that wears heels. You know, there's what two p two ladies that have been in business for all their lives. Yes. Well, now one was back at you know young me in church. I know, and there uh, there was this. Well, I can't even call her a lovely woman. No one liked her. Um, But she did. She wore stiletto heels all day long, every day, not just to church, all day. She had spent so many years in business wearing stiletto heels. Her Achilles tendon had shortened. Mm -hmm. She didn't want to have this surgery to, like, snip it and elongate it. Um, so she just wore her heels. This woman was 80-some years old in heels, sky-high heels. Um, you know, and it was one of those things, it was to a point you really started to question what was going to happen first. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of, I have not worn high, high heels. Like, I've just had, like, my loafers. But I assume there comes a point 
as a woman where the the balance and the you know leg muscles and the all that and trying to wear those heels as you age starts becoming a major 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 risk because she was permanent now her feet were permanently in a tiptoe position mm-hmm. right. I mean that like she took her shoes off and her foot would not bend right. She was locked. Right. And, you know, there was no getting her heel to touch the ground. Right. But even at that, I, I've got to think that there comes a point where her doctors had to be seriously worried. Mm-hmm. Like, if this woman falls, mm-hmm. or more importantly, that at some point she is going to fall. Right. Shatter a hip, and it's going to be because of the heels. Because she started to lose balance or things like that. Right. And then what do you do? How do you like? I've never seen kids in a platform heel. You know, like is that a thing? Kids, can you get on that, please? Um, because Nike, while you're at it, I want four and a half inch heels. Get moving. Now, actually, Reebok does make heels. Okay, or they did. I don't know if they still do. My grandmother had a pair. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Okay, they were. Yeah, they they were very odd. Right. But the, like, they were nice shoes. They were very mm-hmm. pretty. Right. Um, you know, I, like, I give a sports company credit for being able to make pretty comfortable shoes um, because my grandmother dearly loved them because she hated heels. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. she was never so happy the day when heels for women started falling out of fashion. She was like, junk. <laughs> like, I'm never going back. But she kept them for church. Mm-hmm. She kept them for church. She, you know, one day a week, she put on her heels, went to church, came home, threw them off, and put tennis shoes on, and went and volunteered. Right. You know, she changed in the car. Mm-hmm. Well, not like everything, but I mean the heels. Right. Like she, she was ready the minute church was over. Like, get me out, get me out, get me out. Mm-hmm. Like, oh God, I hate you. Um, but these and these were the most comfortable heels she could find. She didn't mind them as bad. Right. She had others she hated. Right. But yeah. Yeah. Like these my were the seven nice. and a half inch spikes, I hated. But no, those boots literally was instant relief. Uh, good deal. Yeah. Good deal. That's my whole problem. I need to find some nice thick heeled loafers. Get my nice wood blocks back. Because that's the other thing. A lot of dress shoes have switched to like the little rubber. Well, either flats, which I do have those quote unquote ballet flats. Which look um, wonderful on you. Uh huh, they kill me. I hate those shoes. They look great. Mm-hmm. You're a fashionist. Um, they look great. Everyone loves me in them. They're the only shoe I've ever found that, you know, actually, like, without any effort, um, that looks good on my foot. Right. I have large feet. Right. Not width wise, length wise. And it's always a problem is because so many shoes are designed at, like, a size 9, mm-hmm. and then you just elongate it. Right. And a lot of shoes, once you start hitting, you know, that 12, 13, and beyond, mm-hmm. what the heck is this crap? Right. It's it's like fat boy jeans made by, you know, a fashion de- uh, jean designer. Right. They make the pockets and all the add-ons in one mm-hmm. blanket size. Right. And then, yeah, that looks great on a 32-inch waist. Mm-hmm. But somewhere around 38, it starts to go straight to shit. Right. 
And then once you get up to a 45, 50, or 46, you know, 50, somewhere mm-hmm. in that neighborhood, it's a joke. Right. You just make this person look twice their size because they have these tiny little pockets on this big, giant rear end of a pair of jeans. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's like, it's the difference between putting a mailbox on a doghouse and putting a mailbox on the broad side of a barn. It's like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. You make the barn look bigger. All right. Stop doing it. Right. Start proportionalizing clothes. Like, at least within degrees. Well, you know, there's no way that I should have the same size pockets as someone with a 24-inch waist. Because then the little 24-inch twink looks like they're, you know, that's a joke in a whole nother direction. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's just fun house mirror clothing. Right. But that's, we've had that discussion. And, but no, it does. It becomes a thing in business, especially mm-hmm. with the way people dress. And I think the most frightening version, and it, it's a two-part story, really. Mm-hmm. Back all the way in college, we had a presentation. This was a weed-out professor. I dearly loved her. Most people hated her guts. She's a smoker. I'm a smoker. We spent a lot of time talking out you know, mm-hmm. by the ashtray. And we have this presentation, and we, our IT program, uh, you know, there were women in our IT program, and she was all cool with that. She thought that was amazing. She is a woman in IT. She wants to try to encourage. Um, also awesome, um, because even some women in IT discourage women from going into IT. Um, but the thing that got me is we had this presentation, and I will agree, this was supposed to be professional dress. So I reach in my closet, I grab, you know, button down, full-length sleeve, and a pair of slacks, and my dress shoes. We had women showing up with, like, no makeup, ponytails, T-shirt, ratty T-shirt at that, and jeans, ripped holy jeans, and tennis shoes. And so should we come out of this and, you know, she goes to smoke. I ended up, you know, kind of, so to speak, following her. And she said, I don't know how any of these women expect to succeed in IT, let alone even get a job. Because most of them are never going to get past a hiring manager. And I was like, you know, I kind of understood what she meant. And I said, well, yeah, they could have at least put on slacks and a blouse. And she just laughed. And she said, you're not even getting hired right. without a skirt. Right. And you better own heel. Right. And they absolutely better be able to do makeup. Mm-hmm. Because image ends up being everything. You know, to some degree, they've got to play. You know, these are conservative businesses. They're mm-hmm. going to hire you and pay you the best money. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to run your own shop, you know, your repair business, dress however you want. It doesn't matter. But if you're looking to get a high-end corporate job, mm-hmm. one, you can't show up like that and call it professional. But even if you, you know, kind of go up a level, you're still not getting it. Right. And that was kind of my first time experiencing that level of, like, woman against woman, like, fashion hate. Mm-hmm. I was taken aback. Right. Then turn around, go into the business, you know, get a real job. As you do, and had um, this 
woman in management, and she, you could tell, was not a heel wearer. She hated heels. She had no balance in heels. Heels were like this weird foreign thing she put on her feet. Had no clue how to wear them. Um, she, we had all left for the day. She used to work really late. We left for the day. She took off to go run through the office to do something, forgetting she's wearing heels. She breaks her ankle. Okay. This is, you know, we're like, oh, my God. She's like, I had to crawl from the other side of the building to call my husband to come get me. This is horrible enough. She shows up at work mm-hmm. with her with leg in a cast on one side and a high heel on the other and a pair of crutches. And I'm sitting here going, I think you've had enough. <laughs> you know, like, why aren't you wearing flats? Like, come on. You just broke your ankle. How in the world are you going to hobble around this office in a, in a heel and a cast? But I don't know, but when I, um, after, because she had been there many years, and she point blank said, after one business meeting in which I showed up in a pair of flats and a dress suit, panted dress suit, um, and a blouse, looking what I thought was nice and professional, I got told, I got pulled into our owner's office, and I was told I was to, that if I couldn't find a skirted suit, a blouse that didn't go beyond my clavicle, as far as the opening, um, and heels, I shouldn't even bother again. Right. Now, that was many, many years ago. Now, this would probably be something you go and file a lawsuit over, but... At the time, she had just given up her own business to come work for them. Everything she owned had now hinged on working for this company. So everything that owner said was the word of God because he had that kind of power, at least at that point. Like she's just anchored herself to this business. So she never questioned it. She never said another word. Yes, sir. And you know, went out, got skirted suits, and never wore anything else. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and waited for him to go home so she could kick off her heels and put on a pair of, you know, flats. Because she had, like, a shoe closet under her desk. Because um, <laughs> she, yeah. Like, she, like, I give her credit. She had kept up this ruse for so long, it was almost funny. Um, you know, because she had shoes under her desk, she had shoes in the car. If she saw his car in the parking lot when she pulled up, she put on, switched her shoes before she came in the building. Um, and then waited for him to go home so she could take him off. I don't know why that one day, though. It was just a total, like, she wasn't thinking, I guess. And. I assume thought she had on tennis shoes and took off running through the office like she did. Right. For heaven's only knows what and broke her ankle. Right. And was there alone. Yeah. Like, that's the worst part about it. Right. Like, I don't want to be insulting, but she had many anniversaries of her 29th birthday under her belt. And 
not that she was like retirement age, but you know, you know what I'm saying. She's she got a few years on her, um, and she goes taking off in a pair of heels, running through the office. Like I'm just glad she didn't die. Like that's where I get left with is like you know, uh, there are a lot of things in that office she could have slipped and fell again. Right, and it's like. To then think of her, like, if she had knocked herself unconscious, she would have died there that night. Right. But we wouldn't have known anything until the next morning. Right. But on the other side of that, you have businesses like the Kilt Barber, um, Kilt Window Cleaning. That That's their step. Okay. Um, I'm not familiar. Okay. This is new. The Kilt Barber is a barber shop in local Beckwith, <laughs> and she wears kilts to work. Okay. And that's her step. It has nothing to do with the hair, has mm-hmm. nothing to do with the job they do. It's that they're in a kilt. Mm-hmm. Okay. The kilt. Um, Winter Cleaning Company, and I believe that's out of Huntington, but it may be a larger corporation now. <laughs> their stick is their window cleaners wear kilts. Oh, only we were in a high rise. Um, I'm assuming, dude. Anybody anyway. that works for the cop wears kilt. As long as it's traditional. Um, no, I'm sorry. This is horrible and objectifying people, and I shouldn't say that. But you know, we're all a little perfect. Um, yes, we are. Don't even try to argue. Don't, yeah. Don't even. Um, but no. I don't know. Well, see, what I also get reminded of, sorry, talking about a shtick, um, once upon a time, many, many years ago, I was a temp worker, and I worked for a woman who billed herself as the Aaron Brockovich of medicine. And Dr. Elizabeth Vaughn, um, who is absolutely amazing. I Like, I cannot say anything bad about this woman. But let me tell you the experience. This temp company calls me and says, and side note, I learned a thing about temp agencies. Mm-hmm. When they've had multiple rejections on a job for whatever reason, or they've gone through multiple employees on a job, their voice will, will, will instinctively start going up until they hit a point in which they sound like an orgasming cheerleader. And that's what I got that day. I didn't even know that before this. I got this phone call from a woman I had met at this employment agency who was very, you know, calm, demure-sounding, very tranquil, you know. Well, if we have anything open up, we'll let you know. This is my first interaction with then she had sent me on one job, and when she called Fred, she's like, oh, we have this you know, opportunity here, and you know, if you'd be interested, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So that temp position ended. She calls me for this one. Hi, Joseph. Hi. Hi, how are you today? Oh, my God, I have this awesome opportunity. I'm like, I, do I know you? Is what I'm sitting and thinking. 
Because I've heard the name, and I know I recognize the name in the temp agency, but I don't know the woman talking to me on the phone. I do not think this is the same woman at this point. Like, maybe the office has, like, two Karens. I don't know. Or whatever her name was. We're going to go with generic placeholder Karen. So Karen calls me, and she's all excited. Again, sounding like an orgasming cheerleader. And we have this excellent opportunity for you, and blah, 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 blah. Just one thing before you accept, because um, I'm interested. I'm like, yeah, sure, this sounds great. You know, it's an office, admin thing. Like, cool, awesome, indoors, not a warehouse. Great, love it. Um, send to me, please. Um, because the last was a warehouse, and it was packing and shipping, and I have the scars to prove it. Um, but. I want you to go look at this website and, you know, review that, and then you just let us know if you're interested. And I'm like, okay. So I've taken down this website. I go and look, and, you know, brought free whatever, and, you know, she's got her pictures, and, you know, She's got her tube top and her miniskirt and her platform, like, poker heels and her big giant earrings. And I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, she's got an MD. Um, and but that was, that was her whole thing was, you know, she was the Aaron Brockovich of medicine. And she dressed like a cocktail waitress. And so I called them back, and I'm like, I don't understand. And they're like, Really? And I'm like, yeah. I said, you know, I'm happy to start whenever. Can you go tomorrow? Yes. Oh, my God, that's so amazing. So I go. And this is a totally normal doctor's office. It's not like, you know, get your flu shot and a hand job. I mean, yes, the doctor has a lab coat and a tube top and a mini skirt and... Super high, high heels. Um, talk to her to five, for five minutes, and she's that scary girl. And I don't mean scary like gothic scary. I mean scary girl where she's super, super, super smart and super attractive. And she's combined the two. And... But anyway, we talked, and, you know, they, they were happy to have me and put me to work, and everything's great. And after the first week, she calls me back, and we have another discussion. Because at this point, there's I, what I found out later is they got surprised I didn't quit in the first week. At that point, from that agency, I'm the first one that lasted more than two days. Because they kept sending women to this job, and... Like, they were horrified. They they felt like they might as well have been working in a, you know, a brothel. That how dare she dress like that? How dare she? Whatever. And so we sat down and we had this conversation, and she's kind of starts with, well, what do you think? And I said, well, I, I'm not sure what your question's regarding. Like, I think it's a really cool office. I, you know... I'm challenged with my work. Like, what are you looking for here? <laughs> Help me out. 
and she said, well, do you think you can, you know, keep working here? And I said, yeah. Why? And she said, oh, thank God. She said, do you know how many temps we've been through? I said, no. She said, I, and I think the number was like 15 at that point. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm number 16. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, they all kept running away. She said, they they didn't like me. They didn't like the office. They thought something was going on. <laughs> you know, and I'm sitting here going, well, no. Talking to you for more than five minutes should include someone in that, you know, you're wearing a costume. I said, that may be rude to say, mm-hmm. but you're wearing a costume. And she said, okay, let's run with that. What do you mean? I said, you, you're you that really smart scary girl. And she said, okay. She said, I'm not sure I like how, where this is going. And so I explained, and she's like, no, that's basically it, yeah. Yeah. She said, but actually what it is, is she said, so many men are petrified and scared of going to the doctor. She said, so what I realized, where do men like to go? They love going to bars with family dressed women. She said, so if I can get a line of men coming through my door for an annual checkup and a prostate exam and prevent pe- uh, men from, you know, dying of preventable illness, <laughs> I'll put on a pair of heels, <laughs> a tube top, a miniskirt. She said, yeah, most of my client base is male. Yeah, some of their wives are not happy with me. But, but their husbands show up every year on time without cancellation. <laughs> And I've prevented multiple men from dying of heart attacks, strokes, cancer, because they've gotten early diagnosis and we've been able to treat it, give them meds, whatever they needed. <laughs> and then they're here for their follow-up. They're here for all of their appointments. She said, so I understand that I'm off-putting to a lot of people, especially when I drive up in my little Miata and, you know, go hopping out in my high, high heels, and, you know, I get it. Right. That a lot of women don't respect me. That a lot of people don't respect me and don't even bother to get to know me. Right. And I said, yeah. And I, to be honest, had a whole five seconds of that looking at your website. Mm-hmm. And then I went, okay, well, that's the physical appearance. Now, what she got to say? Right. She said, okay. I said, I read what you had to say. I read your whole website. <laughs> really? Yeah. Cool. So I ended up almost getting a job there. Um, permanent. Thankfully, I didn't. I went back to college and finished and... We were talking wonderful money, and I would have honestly never gone back to college, but apparently the temp agency wanted, like, 20% of that. And they're like, no, we don't have – for five years up front or whatever it was. It was astronomical. They didn't have the money to pay for me. But she was also the one that um, done concierge service. Yeah. She had cornered the market. Yes, yes, yes. Early days of that, she did – she would bill – she would create bills for insurance. If you wanted to submit them, she would do that. 
but she did not accept insurance. Um, she was a flat yearly fee. You got her cell phone number. You could call her anytime, day or night. And she answered. It wasn't an answering service. She answered. Um, you know, and your, all your appointments were covered in that yearly fee. So if you wanted to be in our office three, you know, however many days a year, you know, five days a week times right. minus holidays, the office was open. If you, you wanted an appointment per day, you could be there an appointment per day. Right. And what I actually found funny the number of women who were her patients, mm-hmm. you could always tell who was a first-timer and who wasn't. Mm-hmm. The women that had seen her before had accepted it, respected her, and moved on. Everyone else looked like they were going to go see a prostitute. But you could always tell new patients walking through the door. They had this look on their face like, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I was thinking. This is the worst idea I've ever had. And then they come out of that appointment. And it was like a total light change occurred in their head. And it's like, oh, can be smart and dress like that. Like their whole world exploded in their head. Like, and I I used to, she used to, I noticed, kind of giggle. Because she would see the waiting room, and she would be walking past, and you could watch new patient expression, especially the women. And it's this look of like, oh, my God, what was I thinking? This is the worst idea I've ever had. Oh, my God, why am I here? Can I leave? I can't leave. Oh, God. And then by the time they walk out, they're like best friends. Like she and she was. She was one of the people like five minutes is all she needed. And she could sell you on the fact she had the brains to go with her M D. She did. Yeah. Um and she helped a lot of people. Like her patients loved her. Like she was one of those doctors that when you've been to everyone else and mm-hmm. no one else wants to listen, they just want to tell you you're overweight and you need to exercise and come back in six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, she became one of those doctors that that's who you go to when you want someone to shut up and listen. Quit telling me what I already know about myself and figure out why I'm sick. Right. Quit writing me prescriptions for crap that is just going to make me feel worse. Mm-hmm. And actually helped me. Right. You know, and what I find interesting in general with that, and it's not only that. I've seen it in other businesses. I see it in the beauty industry all the time. Mm-hmm. There's, a, you know, in my industry, you know, there's a certain, and I try to buff that image mm-hmm. um, of either, they're either uber professional, three-piece mm-hmm. suit, show up for a 15 Well, not reading. necessarily three. Well, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know. Um, Business Farm Prog, you know, the big names are yeah, there's very... a lot of... Well, some of it's showmanship. Some of it is... Well, cause it depends. Like, all work wear is costuming. Right. But, yeah, some people go a little all over the place. Whether they want to have that super business professional, oh. I'm the man. Right. Or then there's also the other one. The free spirit. 
Well, no, no, no. You're missing one. That's the one that scares me. I'm sorry. It does. Like, that whole, like, hippie free love thing. Oh, man. Those are the ones I'm just like, oh, this is going to be a day filled with the smell of sage. Uh Uh-huh. There's going to be Birkenstock and patchouli and, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, typically it is. And there is that, and then you have the Uber Golf. I can deal with Uber Golf. Yeah. And see, I'm kind of in that mix because I like dressing for my events. Yes. You know, like black pants, black boots. You know, my forever, you know, my portfolio picture was cowboy hat, Leather jacket, black pants. Well, it's a little more Midwestern. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I know. You don't like it. I like it more than the, you know, flowy hair, ruffle shirt picture. My poet shirt, yes. But both of those have become staples to my image. They have? You know. And, you know, my image is changing. It's going to evolve. It always evolves. It already changes. Who knows what I'm going to next? Um, I know it's going to have heels because I just proved a factor for a very long time that we've debated on whether my year. I thought it was, I mean, you have a legit complaint there. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, point blank, previous career destroyed your feet. Your ankles and your back and everything else. Yeah. And, you know, hi, you, you have a piece of your uniform that's been missing. Uh-huh. Um, be, just because it has to be there. Right. That's physical support. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can understand that. So my thought, my question to you is, when do we start seeing more influences of fashion? I mean, because if you look at the collections this season and the winter collection, the guys are a lot more feminine looking. They're, you know, the pencils, you know, not the pencil skirt, but the full length skirt, wool skirts were in the winter season. Um, you're seeing a lot more flamboyancy. When do you think that transfers to the boardroom? I don't think it does. I really don't think it does. I Like, not in this sense. I really would be surprised. Mm-hmm. You're still going to have the oddball that shows up in the utilicult. Mm-hmm. You're going to have, you know, a few people in, like, a tartan. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I don't think you're going to mainstream it, though. I think it's I, I don't think you are. You are. Yeah. I, like, I think strictly, like, tech... Uh-huh. You can probably go a little further with it. Tech's been open to a lot of things. Uh-huh. It, like, they're kind of sitting there going, as long as you can pull your weight. Mm-hmm. And we that's don't a concept care. I've had for you. We don't care. You a lot. Yeah. You know, because you came out of that ultra-conservative school, and I'm like, yes, I did. You know, yes, did. that's not real tech. I'm used to walking into a tech room and, you know, there's a betting pool on whose hair color is whose and how many people are in full dress uniform and how many people decide they want to show up in shorts. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, but having because see that was the thing with with the last company I was at is they were finance adjacent. Right. You know, it was that collection. Mm-hmm. Finance adjacent. You know, we're dealing with CFOs. And, you know, of hospitals, of, you know, uh, we're dealing with city governments and businesses and banks and, you know, your deficiency balances. Um, also notice when you sell a car and money's still left, that's called a deficiency balance. Yay, you learn something more, you know. Anyway, so we're dealing with lots of CFOs, CEOs, executive people. And I can understand for client visits, for their sales team, for all that. Yeah, you want to walk into that meeting or to the, or you want to have your staff looking, you know, client visit ready when there's a client visit. I'm just sitting here going the rest of the time. Why, mm-hmm. on God's green earth, would you ever want an IT employee crawling around on the floor in expensive slacks and a button down? Like, you know, or worse, my boss was notorious for setting up moves. So moving your equipment, um, i.e. someone moves from this desk to that desk, and you have to take all their equipment with us um, during client visits. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting here going, dude, I'm wearing $100 slacks right now mm-hmm. because I'm a big boy. And there's no such thing as cheap dress slacks at the, at the size I was then. My entire day's pay... Mm-hmm. When these slacks will get destroyed because they will be destroyed by the end of this client, of this move, I will guarantee you they always were. When they're destroyed, after I pick staples out of my knee, because we apparently work with animals, and when they're destroyed, my entire day's pay is what just went will go to replace. So that the next client visit, you can pull the stunt again. So after replacing the pairs of $100 dress slacks, I said, no. I'm wearing $100 dress slacks. You can give me a $100 bill and I'll go move whatever you want. Because I can't afford to maintain your professional image while simultaneously um, working for barely minimum wage. You know, I can't give up $100 per client visit on slacks. I can't do it. I can't afford it. Like, that's money that's needed elsewhere. You know, like... I was paycheck to paycheck, and sometimes in between paychecks, you start really considering on the drive to work how much easier drug dealing would be. And it is a... Well, but, you know, you do think about it. At least the money might be better. No, because you like to put it into a bank, honey. Not untrue, not untrue. That's problem one, but anyhow. 
we don't discuss that because we don't want to give them instructions on how to start a drug business. How to launder money on this episode of Mountain Bear. <laughs> Yo, wafted and tied. Anyhow, what I was saying is, you know, so, you know, my ind- one industry, I get to be very free-spirited, and I, and I think the other industry, I'm going to be very free-spirited also. But, but how far can you, you go? Know, like, I'm a life coaching, though. I'm sorry, soccer moms are not who's going to show up for that. Oh, no, they're not. You know, so, yeah, there'll you be know. some three-piece suits, and uh, you're going to have to get, you know, go, uh, and I'm going to go, uh-huh, yes, I'm wearing a black three-piece business suit with a black shirt and a red tie. I want to look like the devil himself today. I'm going to look like that and just get out of bed. Yes, and I know, especially when I'm tired. Hmm? But... You know, these are things that run through my head. It's because I'll look at the fashion industry, and it's normally a 20-year gap. At least. But even in that, I think there's classic business wear. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we're ever going to change that. Or the expectation that if you're visiting clients, this is how you're supposed to look. This is the uniform. This is the monkey suit. Put it on, clap the symbol, and take the money. Otherwise... You're going home empty-pocketed. However, you have people like Chris Angel, um, Christian Day. Um, oh, what is her name? Cabot. Lori Cabot. She wore ritual robes. Saw me wear them the last outfit I wore at Beltane. It's still a, it, it's still a costume, and it's expected. And, well, no, it's, it's not what? guru wear. It, well, maybe guru wear, but it wasn't what was expected of the times for a businesswoman. Well, of a businesswoman, no. You know, of an author, but, no. But, you know, well, the author depending upon field. Right. I mean, Brene Brown makes that point. She does. Um, and has multiple times. Right. That, you know, she went through a moment as everything started taking off Mm-hmm. Where she felt compelled uh-huh. to do business corporate world thing right. and look like the speaker she thought she should look like, mm-hmm. or they would expect, and at a corporate event. Um, and then she realized that's not me. Right. You hired me, and I'm gonna put on a costume, uh huh, one that I'm not comfortable in. Mm-hmm. And then what she found was when she went in, mm-hmm. she wasn't herself. Right. She became corporate right. Renee. Right. And corporate Renee was a sellout right. who was off message, off point, and mm-hmm. saying words she didn't mean to say. Right. So she said, okay, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I have to go back to being me. Mm-hmm. And if they don't like it, they'll find another speaker. And quit taking corporate engagements where they went, oh, so shame and vulnerability. Um, yeah, if you could just not talk about that and focus on productivity and creativity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was the biggest, that was her opening, I think, to that concept. Was that, you know, you can't have those uh-huh. without talking about shame and vulnerability. Exactly. Like this 
vulnerability is the birthplace of creativity. If you want to build this team and have them do beautiful things, you've got to be vulnerable. And that's kind of, she had to stop and eat her own dog food, would be the corporate terminology. Eat your own dog food and show up as, you know, be vulnerable. Do it. Don't just talk it. And, you know, I I have, and that's kind of back where I'm talking about. Some people can have money and be intelligent, and I'm sorry, they're just going to not be authentic in a $2,000 suit. That's not who they are. And I think the world would be a much better place if we could stop and accept some authenticity right. in exchange for having honest conversation right. and actually meeting people at the mental level mm-hmm. instead of, you know, judging them and their, you know, worth and value and their ability to have power based on, you know, how much did that watch cost and how much did that suit cost and how much does that car cost and how much does blah, 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 blah. I'm sorry. You can have a fabulous life and it's called credit. And then you can lose it all. And that's called, for you know, bankruptcy and foreclosure. <laughs> so, and there are many people that live a rich, lavish lifestyle <laughs> and have it help you if you see you know, the the letters of credit and the, you know, uh, bank statements and the credit card statements that are going to fund that. Right. Um, you know, I've known people that have done that. Um, and one classic example was from the outside. This person looked like they had the dream. They have the nice house in suburbia. They have you know, two new cars in the driveway. They have, you know, the kids and the daycare and the, you know, mm-hmm. after school activities and they're in church and, you know, Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts and all this stuff. And it looks like from the outside, it is traditional white, perfect, middle class suburbia fantasy. What most people would have never seen of that was the hectic, frantic, anxiety-ridden panic attack on a Wednesday trying to move money around so that they could put a donation in at church and go out to eat that. Because payday was tomorrow. And right now, in that moment, until you take this money and put it on this card to put money on that payment to mm-hmm. do this, they're technically broke. Mm-hmm. Like, if you pointed a gun at dude, mm-hmm. you're getting an empty wallet and a bunch of useless cards. Right. And every week or especially, you know, every two weeks, that's the job. Right. Everything was financed. Every single thing they own was financed. Right. 
two things came out of that. One, no matter how much he hated that job, he couldn't quit. He cannot leave. He is he was effectively stuck. Right. Borderlining like a nervous breakdown every two weeks. <laughs> if not like I don't know how you sleep at night. Like, in the span of a few months, took on a house payment and car payments and all this stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know, still paying off the wedding that was put on credit cards and still paying off, you know, this, that, and everything else. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you function as a human being. And what I ultimately realized is he stopped functioning as a human being. Yeah. His authentic self disappeared. Somewhere around, will you marry me? And how can I make more money? Where can I get more money? How can I get more money? Became, you know, how can I pay this bill? How am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to juggle the finances? How can I keep this illusion going? Right. Became something that flashed so hard. He might as well have tattooed it across his head. Right. Now, contrasting that, mm-hmm. I lucked up. I had a student loan. That's it. Total debt. Mm-hmm. I have a ginormous student But yay, deferment. Yay, income-based repayment plan. Yay. Mm-hmm. When I'd had enough of working there, mm-hmm. I'm done. It's not what I'm enjoying anymore. Yeah. My lease is up on my apartment in a couple of months, so I'll either find a job or I won't. I have money in my 401k that I'm going to stupidly take out and spend thinking I'm going to find a job next week. Um, Because I did. I thought I would leave and find a job a week later, and that didn't happen. But, you know, it's okay. Um, Because I didn't lose everything. I owned my car. I did not have a mountain of credit card debt. I did not have all this financing. Like, I wasn't going to lose my home, you know, in like three minutes after I walk out the door. I'm not going to be, you know, eating bulk purchase ramen and then becoming too poor to even afford that. You know, I had the opportunity there to go, this is killing me. Which, by the way, a legit conversation with my doctor, who I before. I think right before I left or right after I left, went and saw, and all he did was, like, they did the normal nursey thing, you know, blood pressure, temperature, blah, 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 yeah. height and weight, yada, yada. And he comes in, and he starts the appointment with, what did you do? Mm-hmm. And I just looked at him and said, what do you mean? He said, something has dramatically changed in your life. From your last visit, what did you do? I put in my two weeks' notice. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, it shows. Yeah. You're already down 30 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and your blood pressure is the best I've ever seen it. He right. said, because one more visit, like the last one, and I was putting you on blood pressure medication because I was scared to death you were going to have a stroke. <laughs> he said, so keep it up. <laughs> yeah. Find a job you love. <laughs> right. Like something. Right. He said, but don't ever go back there. Right. 
He said, you can't. He said, and I said, yeah, that's the whole moment I had with myself is, you know, it took one event in that job mm-hmm. for me to sit back and go, I can't do this anymore. I have worked myself mm-hmm. to the point. I don't think I'm going to live to 40. Like, I don't think I can live to 40. I don't think my body can do this much longer. Right. Like, I'm 28-something years old at the time. I don't think I'm going to make it to 40. Mm-hmm. My blood pressure is through the roof. I'm putting on at least 30 to 40 pounds per year that I work here. I am now a three-pack-a-day smoker. I don't even remember the last time I saw my apartment in daylight. I don't get to go anywhere. I don't get to hang out with anyone. I have – it is a total nightmare just trying to find time for the one friend that remains, um, you know, who understands, just to be like, let's go to dinner. Like, that's it. Yeah. Let's go to dinner. Is like, hold on. I got to figure out when in the next month I might be able to fit you in. Right. Because we've got this and that and this other thing, and I'm going to have to work late all these days because I worked 80 hours a week, at least. And then having to cancel on stuff, you know, or trying to take a vacation and having to cancel. Like, I just got to the point I didn't spend money to, like, plan to actually go anywhere. Right. Because after a couple of times of losing deposits, I said, screw it. Right. I'll staycation before staycation was a thing. Right. And then get called. Like, I take nine days off. I get called seven of those nine days. Right. To ask stuff. It's like, read the flipping email I sent. Right. Like, I, like... Baby Spoon fed you this. Before I left, there is a long email of the status of everything. Look through it before you fall. Well, it's He's like there. the end of my nursing career. At the time that I was nursing, this is after I got out of school. I was still in school, but I wasn't doing four different things. I was only down to three homes. I was working 120 hours a week. Figure it up, 16 hours a day, times seven days a week. I took two days off a year. Um, and Barrett had been telling me, and I know, here comes Donut. Time. I know, whatever. Uh, you, got, you can't do this. You cannot keep doing this. And I just kept going. Doing, 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 doing. Can you work double? Yeah, I'm working a double. I'm already scheduled to work a double. I can come in an extra hour and a half early. If you'll make coffee. Okay. So quick question. Uh-huh. Did you get to the point where you had to start leaving early to go to work so you could budget time to have a nervous breakdown in the parking lot? No. I didn't have time for okay. that. Did you get to the point where you had picked out which rafter you were going to tie the rope around to hang yourself over the desk? And I asked that seriously. Seriously, it was not stick out which rafter. It was which drug cocktail would finish it. Okay. Because that's the point I got to. Right. Like, I had to start leaving earlier in the morning. Uh-huh. Because many mornings, uh-huh. I would get to the edge of the parking lot 
and just spontaneously start crying. <laughs> like, uncontrollably ugly cry. I kept Kleenex in the car for this. Still keeps Kleenex in the car. Well, yeah. Um, but I did. I got but, to the point. I just, like, right. I would hit the parking lot, and at that point, it's like, I can't do this anymore. I just can't do it. I can't live like this. Right. This is fair. Right. Like, I know I'm looking for fairness and justice in the world, but it's like it just hurt to be there. Right. To work so, so hard and then constantly feel stupid, inadequate, worthless, and just like at any moment, uh-huh. you're going to get fired. You're right. going to get fired. You're going to get fired. Uh-huh. Like, and go through an entire day in that state. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get fired. I'm going to say the wrong thing, and I'm going to get fired, or I'm going to lose my temper, and I'm going to get fired. And I realized that when I put in my notice that for the first time in probably four of the four years, nine months, and ten days that I was there, and yes, I do still remember, um, for the first time in that, I put in that notice and I went home and I realized that for the first time in probably four of those years, I was breathing from my stomach instead of like this knot right around where like my sternum was. You know, that for the first time I breathe right. because it's over. This is the end. There is a light at the tunnel. It may be a fast-approaching train, and I don't care. Like, this is it. I'm done. Right. You know, it may kill me. It, it may put me on the streets. I may end up homeless out of this at some point because, you know, the 401K money was not going to last forever. And I knew that. Um, but whatever it was, it was be better than here. Like, I can't, like, I, I was to the point that I honestly would have gladly slept on a park bench. Like, I don't care. I just can't do this anymore. Right. For me, the value and that's is different. For a lot of things, oh, sorry. That's where the experience and the value is different, and the, mm-hmm. block, the emotional blackmail is different. Hmm? The emotional black belt that nurses get is, well, what's going to happen to your patient? Mm-hmm. If you're not there tonight, if you can't come in 16 and work at 16, 17, well, we know you worked eight hours at the other place. Can you come and work 16 here and then go back to the other place and work another 16? No. No, I can't. That's the answer you get. Right. Yes, yes, I can. I can be in there. I'll be in there. You know, make coffee for me. Um they didn't care. The nursing homes did not care. And at that time, you know, I worked evening and midnights. I went from 79 to 120 patients mm-hmm. throughout my shift uh, that depended for everything. Mm-hmm. So you have that going on, and you just keep going because you know, you're doing something good. And we get that emotional burn from that. And then when I hurt my knee, 
I had to wait five hours for someone to get there and still take care of patients. Still, keeping it going, drop one nursing home down to two. Great, I'm only working two. Great, two nursing homes. We've now moved to 12-hour shifts. This is wonderful. 12-hour shifts, 12 hours, great. Seven to seven, not a problem. Three to 8.30 the the next day, literally. Lifting and moving and stuff. Even when I was, you know, I had herniated five just enough, I could barely walk, have a nurse administrator say, well, I'll try to get someone to come in. Yeah. And then within four hours, you know, while at the emergency room, be fired. And, you know, everything else because you could no longer work, your career is over with. You know, the doctor just saying it like you're coming off a Wendy's menu. What was that six and a half years? What's that worth? You know, you get a phone call while you're waiting for your x-ray. Well, you need to come in after you're done there because we have to do an incident report. And then after that, we have to talk to you, which you know what that is. Mm-hmm. You're done. You're done. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, we're not going to pay you, and if, and we're going to fight your workman's comp and your unemployment and the whole nine yards. Yeah. Well, and that, a lot of that, is the employment situation we're in. We're, we have companies asking you to give your all. Mm-hmm. You, we have companies that keep you know, dangling the carrot of if you work harder, we'll reward that. Mm-hmm. You'll be rewarded. Um, you know, we still have that message. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the American team work hard, make a lot of money, then retire and live your life. Right. Commingled with companies that don't give a crap, right. like they'll still service that message in terms mm-hmm. of saying it. Um, and I think maybe in somewhere in their head they still believe it. Oh, they drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah, but but at the end of the day, you know, it's all about the stock price. It's all about profit margins. It's all about, you know... Thank you for your help. Here's your pink slip. We understand you're injured. We'll make this easier on you by firing you and then fighting your unemployment and, you know, everything else. Yeah. Um, Because from a business position, we're cutting costs and saving money. The reality is, and I know there are people that will show up and get a job and work just long enough to get unemployment and take advantage of the company. I'm sorry. I think unemployment should be guaranteed after your first year. You make it at a company for a year. It's obvious. The company found some reason to keep you around. You know, you've at least done enough. Right. Well, we're out of time. We'll be talking about some fun stuff uh, next week. We'll see what the news brings out. Maybe we can run an ad and pay the power bill. We'll probably do that, too. <laughs> but until then, good night, y'all. See you on Tuesday. Come see me tomorrow at uh, Chris Lotus. Good night, guys.
Choosing a psychic is hard, and you don't want to waste time finding one that's right for you. You've thought about calling into the show, but you want more privacy than that? With services from phone, email, chat, text, and his network availability, you need to check out Asen's website at asennight.com. Just a few clicks and you can have your own personal, private psychic reading. On asennight.com, you can also find out about VIP packages, scheduling parties and events, and signing up for his classes. What are you waiting for? Talk to Asen today. You're listening to the Psychic Coffee Shop Podcast Network. 